0: heading off to the WAA office. I just love this detail about uh, they get off the bus downtown, they get out, they ask directions from a nun who oddly enough knew which way the building was. <laughs> it's just like, what a dumb little detail. That's incredible. Yeah. Yep. They go to Taco Bell for food because uh, they it's cheap enough for them to afford. And uh, it lightens Jake's mood when Axe goes nuts and starts sucking up packets of hot sauce. <laughs> Um, and they get kicked out of the Taco Bell. <laughs> yep. <laughs> Saying, buy your friend some Tabasco if he needs it. Yep. Uh, is it tasty
1: and full of flavor? Which, like, I appreciate that Axe uh, probably is having, like, a legit pain response to the mm-hmm. the hot sauce. But it's just like, oh, this is so interesting. Mm-hmm. <laughs> as to As opposed to, like, this is extremely unpleasant. Why is the food biting
0: me? Mm-hmm. They, there are those people that do enjoy mm-hmm. whose brains are wired and it doesn't necessarily register as pain they just mm-hmm. feel the endorphin rush
1: mm-hmm.
0: and we know my, Marco likes spicy food mm. and I think Cassie's used to it because of her dad's cooking so when yeah. you think about it if there is a genetic component <laughs> to it which you assume there is his odds were pretty decent that he's got a body that likes spicy food
1: Yeah, we've seen we did see him eat like bowl after bowl of Mm -hmm. her dad's chili. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. Uh so they get to the WAA building. Uh they get to the Internet building. I'm just gonna call it the Internet Building. It's a little faster. Um and uh a bus pulls up and a bunch of old people climb out. Um and there's apparently, they're apparently part of a tour that's going to go inside the internet building uh, and, you know, show them around. And so they kind of just like tag along the back, tag along with the group. Um, I like this detail. Uh, we fell into step at the back of the group. None of the old people seemed to mind. Basically, I think kids are kind of invisible to old people unless they are their grandkids or they're being rude. We were polite and quiet and no one said a thing. Uh, I think Which we just think this-
0: is mm-hmm. Good. Yeah. And if you hadn't already guessed just how much this is AOL, <clears> but <throat> not, as you may already know, Web Access America is the largest online service in America with over 9 million subscribers. <laughs> <laughs> it's just like, uh huh. Mm-hmm. Um, but as the tour, they get to the command center where we monitor, Where as the tour guide describes, it as where the ebb and flow of traffic across the entire system is uh monitored to be fair this is on the way up and mark was like well this was easy and jake's like we're not there yet they get to the command center and Marco's just like like taking candy from a baby (laughs) (laughs) um Uh, and then we have our Chekhov's portrait moment mm -hmm. um as they get to a hallway with a bunch of portraits um who jake figures is the owners of internet (laughs) Mm -hmm. (laughs) the owners of the internet that's Uh. how that works
1: it. Uh, but joe so we're, we're, bob
0: finestri
1: yep uh we get marco hero worshiping the guy
0: because uh, he's very rich
1: because he's very rich <laughs> not because he's very he's very good with computers but because he's very rich which like
0: you know what fair okay. uh, uh, i i i'm not a big fan of the uh, capitalism worship but i can appreciate a kid especially okay, to make it sad i'm here mm-hmm. to make it sad Mark, I was living on like as well, the bad part of town for a while mm-hmm. and like probably knows what it's like to live on or below the poverty line. Yeah. So Yeah. It, it reminds think, me Go on.
1: Uh it reminds me of those arguments where people are like, Money doesn't buy happiness and it's like, actually, yeah, demonstrably, at it least does. up to a certain point, money does buy happiness because it means you're not having to worry about, you know, survival.
0: Yeah. <laughs> Um, but yeah, so <laughs> uh, Jake is the one that's just like he's the second wealthiest man in the world, Cassie. I think, which is interesting considering. Uh, and this will also be an interesting point: considering that Bill Gates was referenced in the Antelope Chronicles. Mm-hmm. Um, I do appreciate that. Um, somebody's like, "How much is Felicia worth?" Mister Felicia is worth twenty-four point nine billion dollars. That's billion. What a B! As oh, I suppose that's supposed to be with a B, as in billion and axe is just like is that a lot of dollars <laughs> <laughs> just like you could buy all the tabasco sauce in the world with an axe all the tabasco in the entire world and have enough left over to buy your own small country
1: mm-hmm.
0: um but then they reach the command center um and like it's a room surrounded by glass looking like ground control at nasa mm-hmm. and the question now is how do they get in now yep. th- and this scene is incredible yeah Holy fucking shit. <laughs> I love that. There isn't a lot of plot going on here. Nobody has a smart idea. Yeah. Um, we actually have like... a little bit
1: of a moral dilemma mm-hmm.
0: first. Yes. Because uh, they talk about creating a distraction,
1: mm-hmm.
0: which is Rachel. Nobody can think of an idea off the bat um, right. because it's daytime. They normally don't do stuff during the day. They normally sneak in at night. hmm Uh, The tour group's moved off, and Rachel's like, we create a distraction, set the place on fire, and then when everyone runs, and Jake points out, these are normal people, as far as we know. We can't go around terrifying and endangering normal people. And then this fucking line, she nodded like she understood. I'm pretty sure she actually did. Um, And then we have, um, Jake suggests, that's the morph, nice normal people, that they acquire DNA from some of the folks that work there, we morph them. And walk right in. And he immediately has the thought that there's something not really right about it. Mm-hmm. And this is interesting because I, Jade, and the character I play on uh, our Animorphs inspired podcast, morph human a lot. Mm-hmm. And so there's this back and forth with the kids about is it moral to do that? Right. To be fair, Marco says it's a brilliant idea that's possibly immoral. <laughs> Axe is like humans are the animals native to the environment, and is like from a logic perspective, why wouldn't you? Mm -hmm. And I appreciate how no one person is on one side of the argument the whole time. Yeah. Except Cassie. Cassie is consistently on the, I am not comfortable with this. Or I should say, KA is using Cassie staunchly in the position of this is not a cool thing to do. And given that Cassie is meant to be the moral compass of the group. I think it's fairly clear where the reader is maybe meant to fall. Mm -hmm. Um, uh, Marco points out,
1: what's the big deal? Axis human morph is made up of bits of DNA from all of us. What's the difference? And Cassie points out that they consented. They gave permission. Um, And Marco
0: immediately switches to play devil's advocate. Yeah, because Rachel Um, says, who cares so long as it works? Right. And then Marco, as Danielle said, immediately pivots to go, how are we different from the Yerkes? Um, and Jake observes, um, whether he, he's not sure, to be fair, about whether Marco is mm-hmm. arguing both sides or had, had he changed his mind? Mm-hmm. For me and my money, I think he's arguing both sides so they can make mm-hmm. an informed choice. I think so, yeah. I don't think he's changed his mind. Yeah. I just think he's aware enough. to to twig it um Rachel points out we're not taking over their minds we're using their DNA no different from any other animal and then everyone looks to Jake to make a choice um it's just that everyone looked at me like I was supposed to quickly decide a big moral issue in a hallway in two minutes what was I supposed to do we were in a war what was the big deal about doing something that made us uncomfortable (sighs) which is so much Mm -hmm. um I shook my head. The whole reason we're fighting is to keep people free. I said, if we start violating that and using people's DNA without permission, we may not be as bad as the Yurks, but we're heading down that same path. We have to find another way. Cassie looked at me like she was proud of me, which just made me want to blush. Um, uh, so, so this is something that happens consistently throughout this book, is like
1: Jake commenting on how Cassie is judging him. Mm-hmm. like she looked at me like she was proud she looked at me like she was disappointed she looked at me like uh
0: mm-hmm.
1: bitterly like
0: you know like Rather... she was
1: disgusted
0: mm-hmm. go ahead I just, now please finish your point because i think what i'm gonna say will lead off that
1: yeah it and i think it's interesting that he doesn't do that for anyone else and like you can mm. point out that okay well she's his crush But I think also he looks to Cassie to see whether or not he's stepped over the line yet. Mm -hmm. He's relying on Cassie to show him where the line is and be Mm -hmm. like,
0: all right, no, Jake, like, really? Yeah. Um, And my point is going to be, this is his interpretation of Mm -hmm. what Cassie looks like. He's Mm -hmm. reading into her expression. Oh, yes, absolutely. Which... Becomes a very interesting perspective. Like, he doesn't need her to say it to judge what mm-hmm. she's feeling. Is he that mm-hmm. in tune with her? Or is he using how he thinks she feels mm-hmm. as a gauge on mm-hmm. what he should and shouldn't do? Yeah,
1: to justify his own internal monologue.
0: Mm-hmm. It's yeah. like that the voice in my head that sounds like so-and-so.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: He... Mm-hmm. You, and you get this, in the way he talks about it. Cassie is like the best person he knows. He talks about her morality like that. And right. as we, they all kind of do. Mm-hmm. Um, even when somebody doesn't necessarily vibe with what she's saying, they all know that Cassie's the emotionally aware one. Mm-hmm. She might get a little bit too enthused about animals sometimes. And to be fair, it's refreshing to see Cassie taking on a thing that's defending humans yeah so which is a cool thing just gives her some sh- needed I think shading because as we've discussed before K.A. frequently I think falls back on the same things with Cassie yeah to the point of it being frustrating for her character mm-hmm. so but yeah this and this whole conversation <laughs> reading this I Jade couldn't help but feel a little bit judged for my character choices <laughs> <laughs> Which I know...
1: You're only mm. morphing people that gave consent for it.
0: Yes, this is true. And, like, uh, spoilers for dumb kids, Kel creates morphs that aren't the person. Mm -hmm. Um, But also, like, we have, and I won't say who, we have in the group somebody that has acquired human morphs without permission. Mm -hmm. And it's like... I, Jade, and I do feel like Kel is the same way, because Keller is very like me in a lot of ways. I don't intrinsically see a moral dilemma with it, mm-hmm. because we've seen what happens when somebody morphs a person. They aren't carrying their soul around.-hmm. And I it almost bothers me, actually, like the way we equ- the way it equates like personhood with your DNA. Yeah. Like a person is more than the numbers on a printout. If you do a DNA mm-hmm. scan or whatever, I like a person is more than their genome. Mm-hmm. Like what makes a person a person is the things that they do, right? So, and I think while I agree to the notion of just like taking something from somebody to use mm-hmm. is uh, could arguably be seen as a bit dicey. Mm-hmm. Yeah. You are not depriving somebody of that thing when you take it. Yeah. Is it immoral think, for me to use somebody's name? Right. I think the
1: interesting thing that I kind of just thought about... Um, mm-hmm. We see Marco making the argument of, like, how are we different from the Yurks in, like, we're taking people's bodies, right? We don't see exactly where Cassie... Um, mm. Like, what Cassie's reasoning is for it. Yeah. Um, and one thing to think about is they're in a war. Yes. And when they're using somebody else's face, they're doing it so they're not using their own face because they don't want their own face to be traced back to them. Mm -hmm. But you're using somebody else's face. You're putting that other person in danger without them knowing about it.
0: Mm. That's fair. And I suppose that way of framing it if it was posited that way i could i could see it mm-hmm. however I also yeah, that's disagree. not the argument that the authors have put no up here. i think that's a real insightful argument that i feel also applies more now because when you think about the mm-hmm. increase in like cctv and things like that yeah the technology for finding people is so much more potent than it was mm-hmm so, and if it was, like, to go into a room, but if it's just, like, to enter a room where that person works anyway. Yeah. Yeah. Eh. Eh. This is an interesting discussion. I don't object to it being here. And I'm trying mm-hmm. not to just be feeling called out and defensive as a result. Yeah. Because I do think it's an interesting conversation worth having. Absolutely. Yeah. I just happen to disagree with their conclusions. Yeah. And it's it's something that we've seen, Cassie, make noises about before because she did a similar thing with the dolphins and the whale mm-hmm. but also she's the one that said to rachel hey can i use you as a morph
1: did she ask rachel Ooh. i don't think she did i think she just acquired rachel
0: because we're I think gonna I have to go back and check because I... who,
1: boy yeah because i think what happened is like rachel was obviously having a reaction and Cassie was like you can't go out there and started uh-huh. to acquire
0: her. And, and, and Rachel go. was like,
1: I started feeling like drowsy. Sleepy.
0: Yeah. Okay, 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 okay. Right, now now I need to watch this. Is Cassie now making this argument because she feels guilty about acquiring Rachel without Rachel's permission? Maybe. Because Probably. we know how much Cassie... Second guesses uh, herself? Exactly that. Yeah. And it's like this reminder of a thing that she did that maybe she doesn't like that she did. Mm-hmm. Oh, that's interesting. <laughs> uh, Animals is good, y'all. Yeah. There's there's a lot here for it being uh-huh. what it is. <laughs> okay. We've we've probably diverted talking of oh, we've been talking about that for a little bit. Okay. Yeah. <laughs>
1: yeah. Uh, before we move on to the next chapter, here's another example of the Marco and Rachel banter. Uh, because everybody immediately signs on when Jake says, like, nope, we're not gonna do that, and everyone's like, Okay, we're not gonna do that. Um, And they, Jake says the plan. He says, we're going to go with a distraction. We're not going to start a fire (laughs) Uh (laughs) or endanger anybody. We're just going to give them something to look at that is so fascinating and weird and impossible to ignore that they won't be watching what happens behind them. Axe and Marco are the computer brains. They go in. Axe is human. Marco as himself. So Marco won't be human? Rachel asked quickly, then laughed at her own joke. That was a good one. Marco complimented her fast, too. Thank you. <laughs> That's the good banter.
0: That's yeah. the good shit. Yes, that is that is the very good shit. <clears throat> uh, and then this happens, <laughs> and oh my god! Well, you'll have to link to that art you shared yeah, in I the will. show notes for this. <clears throat> so they're gonna morph. Um, yeah. I do appreciate this. We have the, this up that. Do you have your mop? Yes, I have my mop. She sneered. Cassie's ready, but they're like, we can't use the sh- lose our shoes. We have no more money. So they, like, l- knot the laces of their shoes and wear them around their necks, except for Tobias, who gets his grab later. Mm-hmm. And they realize that because they've all morphed, they can't open the, l- the door of the closet um, <laughs> because Rachel is grizzly, Jake is tiger, uh, Cassie is. They're just They're using their battle morphs, which I feel is a nice little <laughs> distraction of what is actually going to happen. And then they point out, Rachel, why don't you just open it? Uh, And she just, like, punches the door. Or she shoulders the door open. Yep. And then in front of this glass wall, nobody's looking at them. Uh, Tobias is, like, perched on Rachel's head. So Jake roars. And we get the fun little detail about how far a tiger's roar can travel, Mm -hmm. sound-wise. And now 50 or 60 set of eyes swivel over to stare at us. And what they saw kept them watching. Rachel, huge, terrifying, powerful Rachel, was calmly mopping the floor, sweeping the mop back and forth like a professional. I was helping. I had the mop bucket in my teeth. Tobias fluttered around us in a circle, shrieking madly. Absolutely no one noticed when Marco and (laughs) Axe entered the back of the command center and calmly sat down at a computer no need for a code word to get access the machine had been left on by the person who'd operating it who was staring at them eyes wide mouth even wider and jake can hear the people talking through the glass it's just like is that a bear yeah is it mopping the floor "Uh uh-huh have we gone nuts i'm not nuts it's the bear who's nuts that's carpeted up there (laughs) why does it have sneakers around its neck a few people screamed a few ran most just stared as we cavorted having a fun time uh, Marco winks as the, that they're clearly doing all right. Two more minutes, and then we're going to get, they're going to get out of here before someone thinks to call cool security, but um, they realize that uh, security is heading that way with handguns. Um, And this, and th- at first they don't even notice Cassie in the wolf morph. They just, there's this scene in front of them. Well, she's not of, in
1: wolf morph.
0: Oh, is she not? What's she no, in? She's Oh, she's, skunk. oh no, she's in skunk morph. <laughs> oh, <Holy laughs> you Uh But, jake roars which is enough to get rid of one of the security guards mm-hmm. and bless the other one who's staying who's just like you animals get out of here you're not authorized to be here and Jake just like you got to admire that he must know that that little popcorn won't stop us for a minute and tobias points out might not stop either of you i'm a bird <laughs> uh but uh and then jake gives cassie her cue mm-hmm. uh she turns her back to the guard raises the tail drops the tip and if you've ever seen a skunk go through that sequence, leave, leave, go far away, don't look back. The guard did not know that uh Cassie <laughs> sprays this poor security guard um having been hosed by a skunk, yep. uh, and then they bail they they get
1: into an elevator, <laughs> Tobias presses the button with his beak. They get on the elevator, and by the time the elevator reaches the lobby, they are kids again.
0: And i just say, when the door elevator door opens, there's an executive and a bike messenger in there who decide to get out very quickly when this bunch of animals <laughs> joins them. <laughs>
1: uh, SWAT is coming in as they're leaving, and they're like, did you kids see a bear? And Rachel's like, yeah, right, a bear. <laughs>
0: <laughs> and then Marco and Axe are just chilling in a corner, acting like observers. And it's just sort of like... Oh, and it's very good. Yeah. And then we end with this fridge horror. Oh, Uh, thanks for this.
1: Yeah. uh, Yeah, so uh, they're like, yeah, we didn't have any difficulties getting the information we need, but Marco looks a little concerned and sick. And Jake's like, what happened? Uh, And Marco says, oh, it's no big deal. Once we got into the system, it was a breeze. We had plenty of time. So I figured, why not check out one or two extra screen names? Which Tobias is like. Not the reason we were here, but okay. Uh, this girl whose screen name is PartyGirl802. She sends me these very flirty kind of emails and IM messages. You know, like she likes me and all. So you found out who she is? Cassie asked. That's not very nice. Yeah, no kidding it wasn't nice. I found out my online girlfriend PartyGirl802 is actually a 73 year old retired postal worker. (sighs) Which yeah, I, is, uh... Mm,
0: very fridge d- horror. Yeah, I do appreciate that they don't gender the postal worker. Yeah. Yeah. Because to be... F- and yeah, I, it is. The fridge horror is real. Granted, not everyone that pretends to be someone else online is in it to be a predator. just yeah, like but some when you're sending look- flirty yeah.
1: emails to someone who probably has told you that they're a 13-year-old boy.
0: Like, mm-hmm.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: yes. Oh, Yes the horror be real the yep. horror be real yep and it's if any teenagers listen to this podcast don't like even if you're in great fandom spaces don't tell people where you live yep like I know you're comfortable online in a way we never were there's a reason why like they tell you not to put your real name online and stuff mm-hmm. I'm now an adult so you know what fuck it but please be safe online <laughs> Yeah, yeah, uh online online safety's no joke.
1: Um there's a post going around on Tumblr. Um mm. that's like it's genuinely terrifying how free uh uh-huh. Gen Z is with their information online. Yeah. Which like because they assume that well everybody has all the information anyway. Uh or you know similar things that they they just don't bother guarding it. But like <laughs> having grown up with parents who were like you mustn't ever give your real name online. Uh it 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 feels weird, man. Hmm.
0: I didn't start using my real name online until after university. And yeah. Same. Facebook was happening then. Hmm. Like. Yeah. Yeah. yeah when I, went- I but when I got my first when I got onto Facebook that was when I started using my real name.
1: Yeah. Even even on Facebook and tumblr and like i think when i started on tumblr i was a senior in college i think there i put my real name on it but like every single time before that i was like my my pseudonym was red because mm-hmm. red talk 90 like that was just the pseudonym i used everywhere um mm-hmm. uh it it's just it's wild
0: yeah and it just goes to show the changingness because that was obviously With Marco, that was the beginnings of that. Mm
1: -hmm.
0: And because it was all still quite new and people Mm -hmm. were starting to have computers at home, especially if you're a smart kid that knows how to get online, Mm -hmm. it's interesting. Like, that's the beginning of that whole period where Marco probably didn't have anybody to say, hey, don't do that. And because we know Marco is such a savvy, smart, paranoid person, Mm -hmm. yeah. Yeah. It's it's uh Mm -hmm. i was
1: definitely on chat rooms and shit that i should not have been on as a child (laughs) but like at least protect your own identity yes as much as you can
0: use pseudonyms be safe don't tell people where you live god forbid don't tell people where you live i
1: mean it's easy enough to dox someone right now don't give them the extra help yeah uh all right so they couldn't carry the names. So they had to memorize them. Uh, and basically, they just looked up who the people were, whose screen names they saw. And uh, most of them aren't really useful information to them. They don't know who any of these people are, except for fide 777 who was the person who was like, I have another name for the list. And also, I think I'm on the trail of a actual Yurkpool entrance, <laughs> who happens to be uh, Joe Bob Finestry. The billionaire and Mar- owner of Web Access America,
0: and Marco is like, this guy hangs out in chat rooms. Uh, what? And then we just start seeing a, a peep into the life of what Marco imagines living with money is like. Mm-hmm. Um, I do appreciate there's a thing about paying Michael Jordan to come over and teach me how to improve my three point shot. And Jake's just like, you don't have, you have no three point shot, Marco. <laughs> and Marco just ignores him to carry on. Just like about getting, and we get a very teenage boy thing about like the female cast members of Baywatch applying suntan oil and to my muscular body. Is that so you'd have bought some muscles too, huh? Didn't know you could do that, <laughs> which is just very amusing to me. Mm-hmm. And when Mark is like, and when you can, your money in billions, you can buy anything, including happiness. <laughs> Going back to our conversation before. Yep. Um, and then th- this, to be fair, this is a t- genuinely to be fair, I like the first part, the second part, of the list, but we have him say this whole thing about like having a Papa John's pizza restaurant in the basement. And she's like, be sure and leave your brain to science when you die, Marco, Rachel said. After all, they're the ones with the microscopes it'd take to find it. <laughs> <laughs> Which is actually a very funny line. Um, Jake laughs at it and Marco like cocks an eyebrow at him like I'd betrayed him. <laughs> Betrayal. Um, and he's just like, sorry, that round goes to Rachel. Um, uh, which is great we have this nice little moment of banter before things obviously get serious
1: because yeah. they're back uh, at the airport they are back at the airport
0: um and jake is shaking
1: yeah he's, he's he is trembling and he is sweating
0: bullets and uh, he is and he knows he's scared yeah and he he's scared that the others will think that he's scared I used my sleeve to wipe my forehead and the sleeve came away wet as if I dipped it into a sink. Uh. And Cassie has clearly noticed this because she's just like, you know, maybe we should try a different morph on the way home. And Jake's like, ah. So one, at least one person had noticed and she's giving him a way out. Um, Ax questions it. And Cassie's like, I don't know. Uh, with just a hint of tension in the way she kept her mouth tight. It might be a fun it might be fun to do it a different way and Rachel reasonably uh, and that's described as such it's just like we already went over it before we decided to fly more for best right I mean just because Jake had some trouble doesn't mean the idea is bad mm-hmm. which is a polite kind of underselling way of describing mm-hmm. what happened to Jake on the flight there but fair mm-hmm. um, and Jacob says it's a deadlock Cassie can't say anything more without it being obvious she's trying to protect him and I couldn't have that, couldn't you, Jake? Couldn't you have had it just this once, just a little bit, just just a little bit? Um, fly morph is fine, I said as coolly as I could. Still, the best way to do this, I think. Cassie was a little disgusted with me. Hey, Jake, she said, fake bright. Come buy me a pretzel, I'm hungry. You guys go on ahead, and then she takes his arm and hauls him off to the side. Mm-hmm. Uh, And then we have part two of the conversation.
1: Yep. Yep. Cassie looked at me and shook her head. What's the matter with you? You don't have to do this. You don't have to prove how tough you are. It's not a problem, Cassie. Thanks, but let it go, okay? Jake, you may have the others fooled, but not me. You're scared, and you have good reason to be scared. So what's the big deal? I tried to walk away, but that felt wrong. I turned back to face her. The big deal is I'm supposedly the leader of this little army. So? So you're not supposed to be human? That's absolutely right. I'm not supposed to be human. She laughed uncertainly, like she wasn't sure if I was joking or not. No one expects you to be Superman, Jake. You think the others won't respect you if you admit you're terrified of something? It's not about respect. It's not even about being scared. It's about letting fear tell you what to do. If it's an unreasonable fear, you have to get past it, Cassie said. But there's a reason for this fear. You were nearly killed. I shook my head. No. You're usually right, Cassie, but this time you're wrong. See, if I give in to fear, then that gives everyone permission to give in to fear. And we all have good reasons to be afraid. Pretty soon, we'd be totally paralyzed. We wouldn't be able to do anything because one of us might have some good reason to be scared. We don't morph ants anymore because they're all scared of us. They scared all of us, but mostly Marco, Cassie pointed out. We don't ever talk about morphing termites because of my problems with them. What's the difference? The difference is you all decided I was the leader, I said. That's the difference. A leader may be just as weak or scared or doubtful as anyone else, but he isn't allowed to show it. People say they want leaders to be just like them, but I don't think so. People want leaders to act the way people wish they could act themselves. Marco and Rachel and Tobias and Axe don't want me to give them permission to be scared they want me to help them to be brave. Cassie looked at me a long time, and I looked away, feeling uncomfortable. We didn't do you any favor when we made you leader, did we? Cassie asked. I forced a grim smile. There's something else a leader doesn't do, I said. Complain about being a leader. We did pick the right person, though, she said. Once again, I started to walk away, but Cassie grabbed my arm. Look, maybe you're right but I bet even the great generals and presidents or whatever have friends they can be honest with. People who would never lose faith in them, no matter what. I had the strangest desire to burst out crying right then. I also had a desire to hug Cassie really hard. I didn't do either. Come on, I said. The others are waiting.
0: (sighs) Now let's unpack. (laughs) First off, I want to draw attention to the line, that's absolutely right, I'm not supposed to be human. Mm -hmm. Because, holy shit. One, deeply upsetting in and of its own right, Mm -hmm. just as a line, um, as I put in the text, holy shit, Jake, Um, (laughs) as it's both upsetting and also horrifyingly aware, and I assume foreshadowing, Squint at Danielle. Um about the kind of choices that leaders have to make. Mm-hmm. Like he's already not classing himself to be human because leaders make choices that are monstrous. Yep. Because they have to make those choices. Yep. We see one of those later. hmm Absolutely. Um, and it's like, fucking hell. This is a child saying that.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: Putting that burden on himself. Yep. I'm the one that's not supposed to be human. Yep. And then he goes on to explain why he feels that way, and what pisses me off is I totally understand it. Yeah. And I say pisses me off in that I hate that I get it. Yeah. And it hurts. Yeah. Because things we've been in Jake's perspective before, when he, or we've seen Jake when he's been angry. And how he doesn't Mm -hmm. let himself get angry because once you let an emotion get hold of you, it's too easy to get lost in it. Mm
1: -hmm.
0: We don't see Jake get angry often. And this is why we don't see him be scared or let himself show himself be scared. Yeah. Because he holds himself to a higher standard. He sets the precedent. Yeah. Because the others need him to be. Yeah. There is a... Or he believes that they need him to be that.
1: hmm This becomes more true the further mm-hmm.
0: along the books get. Oh, I hate a self-fulfilling prophecy. Mm-hmm. Fuck. Uh, there is there's a
1: specific moment I'm thinking of. And Jen, mm-hmm. I'm looking at you through time and the internet. Mm-hmm. At the end of the series, where this is like terrifyingly prescient. Uh and it's just, mm, it hurts a lot. Be- yeah. It hurts because he's right. Mm-hmm. You
0: know, but what be- yeah. But what becomes interesting is he assumes that this is the case. But mm-hmm. if he had allowed himself to show fear, and the others see him as fallible as as inf- no as fallible as they are, they wouldn't keep putting the onus on him in the same way. The thing about holding yourself to a higher standard is that you hold yourself away from other people. I think it's real easy to lose touch. Yeah. Because people feel like they can't relate to you anymore or can't talk to you. Mm Mm-hmm. No, we see that a lot too,
1: that Jake is the general and you don't necessarily talk to Jake about things because he's the general and he will use that to make decisions. Mm Mm-hmm. Uh, but like, I really think that the others, not Cassie, obviously, um, Mm. because, you know, she (laughs) is the one who's still like, Hey guys, this is fucked up. Um, (laughs) you see this thing we're doing? (laughs) Yeah. This thing we're doing right here. It's bad. Um, but I think every, I think he's right about everybody else. Just like Mm -hmm. he's right about, you know, Marco has to be the jokester or else everybody else is going to get weirded out. Um, and I think even if you ask the other ones like point blank, and we're like, "Hey, do you expect Jake to be brave all the time?" I don't think anyone except for maybe Marco would say yes. Mm-hmm. And Marco would be like, "No, I don't expect him to be brave. I expect him to act brave." Mm-hmm. And we see that later in this book. Yeah, when things break down and Jake breaks down and everybody else freaks the fuck out even more than they would, you know, just normally because of what has happened. But mm-hmm. the fact that Jake isn't putting on his front anymore, yeah, sends everybody into a panic.
0: It makes it interesting now that you've just said that when we get to that scene and we'll maybe unpack it a little bit then, who it is that is on him the most to come up. Mm-hmm. with what they're gonna do. Because mm-hmm. if you frame it in the same way as what happened earlier and what we've seen in other books, it's just like you need to get on page. This yep. is you because and I I'll, I'll say when eh, if you're listening to this, you're waiting to see what happens when the party gets separate party gets separated. Can you tell I play a lot of tabletop games? <laughs> um, the people Jake is left with Yep the berserker, the scout, and the strategist. Like, oh, no, I know, not the strategist. The not the berserker. The uh, the emotional heart. They don't have their mm-hmm. strongest fighter. Yeah, and they have. They don't have axe. Mm-hmm. And it's like, <sighs> because like Rachel is the so- soldier. She also was very good at coming up with plans. So she's acts very as good their at, technology, yeah, coming with a very like the most
1: obvious plan.
0: Yes, and some, you need that person in a group. Mm-hmm. And yeah, you need the, a starting point. Yes, like she's the one that suggests a distraction. is mm-hmm. she was like, "We start a fire." She's like, mm, "Dial it back, dial it back a little." <laughs> Rachel's very good at direct action. Yes, but she needs people to temper that into something usable. Hmm. Jake is the one that decides what to do, but usually it's Marco that Mm -hmm. is the one like setting up the pitches. Yeah. And what, I think everything goes off base because Jake has done something that maybe they weren't expecting him to do Mm -hmm. and they need that they're scrambling. Yeah. And we've talked about this and we talked about it in an early bit with Cassie, just like, They all need Jake to make the decisions. Yeah. And that's upsetting in and of himself, but they need him to do that. And it gets me later and it got me like a punch in the chest um, when Jake is saying to Cassie, if this needs to happen, I'm going to do it. Do you want Mm -hmm. me to do it? Yeah. And it's like, fuck. Yeah. It's so good. But it's just like, do you realize what you're asking me to do? Because I will do it. Mm-hmm. And it's so much. Mm-hmm. It's one of those mm-hmm. things that I see seep into dumb kids. Yep. Like something happened in our most recent recording that with this new context, you're just like, Mwah. it's very good. But yes, so re- having to get back to this point here, Cassie is doing what she does and I think, and Jake is explaining to her why his outlook is what it is.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: And because of who Cassie is, she gets it. Yeah. She hates it. And you, she hates it. Absolutely. And you can see almost why she continues to be the person that she is for him mm-hmm. because mm-hmm. she knows the struggle yeah. that he has. Yeah. And it's Cassie... like,
1: Hmm. Cassie becomes almost obsessed, but not with the really negative connotation necessarily, with Mm -hmm. the idea of preserving Jake's humanity. Yeah. Yeah. It's so much.
0: Mm -hmm. Mm-hmm. And they get home. Mm Mm-hmm. Nobody swats a Jake and Fly and he feels better for getting past the fear. And I love that. At least that's what I told myself. And this fucking kills me because what a fucking metaphor for trauma. Mm -hmm. You never really get past the fear. Fear eats a little hole in you like rust in the fender of a car. You fill the hole up with putty and sand and, and you fill the hole up with putty and sand it smooth and paint it over so no one else can see it. But it's never really as good as new. The damage is done. Mm-hmm. But Jake makes it home. He's exhausted. He's, mm-hmm, hears Tom on the phone and he, the, and he can hear Tom's voice change or mm-hmm. the tone changes as uh, he hears Jake come in and uh, Jake starts fixing himself up some food.
1: Yeah. I, I don't know why Tom is putting peanut butter on a graham
0: cracker. Uh, maybe a yerk, the yerk had a craving <laughs> just like hey step step. I want peanut butter and I want a graham cracker
1: like I have heard of some very interesting food choices cheese and chocolate but like I've never heard of anyone putting peanut butter on a graham cracker.
0: I will say this does make me want to go get a packet of digestive biscuits, which is the closest thing in the UK to a graham cracker. (laughs) Um, I put some peanut butter on it. (laughs) I mean, when I think about a peanut butter cheesecake, which is a thing. Yeah. You know? Yeah. And that's a graham cracker base. Mm hmm. Yeah, it's true. But there, is, it is like eating peanut butter. Out of the judge. it's like what compels you to smear the peanut butter on the graham cracker? <laughs> just, but I, I do. I'm just now tickled by the notion of the, uh, the, the body being aware that it's hungry. So the jerk is just like, all right, opens the cupboards, eh, eh, <laughs> puts the hands together, move. <laughs> <laughs> On the up front, just like, if you didn't know there was an alien possessing his brain, literally, <laughs> that would be the clue. Who the fuck puts peanut butter on a graham cracker? <laughs> when this episode drops, those of you that like to comment, peanut butter on graham crackers, weird or genius? <laughs> Let us know. <laughs> like the regular discussion-
1: ass graham crackers, not even like chocolate graham crackers, like regular ass graham crackers, the cinnamon kind. Although I do like like cinnamon on my peanut butter and banana. So maybe that's where it's coming from. But
0: like I'm just enjoying hearing <laughs> you talk yourself around to actually know this does make sense and I was in- <laughs> It's 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 the peanut butter like
1: consistency on top of the graham cracker that I think is getting me. Mhm. Cuz graham crackers are very crunchy.
0: Mhm.
1: What about peanut Tom like pe-
0: crunchy peanut butter too? <laughs> that motherfucker. Oh, no, we cannot start a peanut butter debate. (laughs) No, we've already been recording two hours and ten minutes. We cannot. (laughs) The outtakes, the peanut. If you want to hear Danielle and I talk about peanut butter, let us know. We'll do a bonus ten minute episode. I'm just us arguing about peanut butter. <laughs> <laughs> It'll be great.
1: Oh god. So they have a, they have a non-conversation, <laughs> Jake and Tom, where they mm-hmm. don't tell each other anything.
0: Yeah. Uh Jake goes up
1: to his room. Uh he's booting up his computer, but he hesitates and he's like, Alright. What do we what do we do with this information that we have now? Uh and basically he's like, Alright, well, I gotta find out more about Joe Bob Finestri, Um, so I gotta like, I'm really exhausted, but I really have to go over to Marco's house because he has the untraceable computer and it's faster, etc., cetera, etc. Cetera. We can pull up articles there. He doesn't live too fa- far away. Um, or Joe Bob Finestri doesn't live too far away. Um, but Jake is really exhausted. And so when he goes downstairs and his parents come in and they say that they're cooking dinner and like, weren't you out all day? Why are you going out again? Won't you- would it kill you to have dinner with your family? And his mom is like, uh, it will be soon as I make that salmon I picked up yesterday. You loved it last time I made it. I mostly got it for you. Guilt. Great. I smiled. Well, you didn't tell me that's what you were making. Marco can wait. I'm there.
0: And what so. I love, what I love about that mm-hmm. is we don't obviously hear Marco's mom, we don't obviously hear Jake's mom's tone of voice. He assumes he's being guilt tripped. Mm hmm. Or he feels guilty. Yeah. That isn't necessarily his mum's intention.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: And it the because my initial is oh he feels like he's being guilt tripped, which to be fair, parents have been known. Mm-hmm. But it becomes interesting whether if he just like frame in his mind is framing it as his mum's manipulating him mm-hmm. with guilt, then it's just like, oh she's doing it you, huh, buddy? hmm And it's it's just sad. Um, he
1: doesn't call Marco because there's too much he would need to talk about and doesn't have like the time to do it or can't say it over the phone. Um, they have dinner just like the old days and Jake is just like kind of feeling a little mushy because like, you know, this is Mm -hmm. what he's fighting for is just like this feeling of family around the dinner table. and. You know, He says, I wanted to believe it was all real because you know what? That was the whole point of fighting. The whole point of taking risks and fighting the Yurks was to protect boring, average, no-big-deal times like this. Uh, mostly what people want is to be left alone. They just want to sit down and have a nice dinner and tell boring stories and tell jokes they've told a dozen times before. Which actually makes me think of that party of one episode that just came out that you were on. Um, mm-hmm. Which just like, you were you were playing Navigator and uh navigating this person who just who was an asshole but just wanted his old life back Mm -hmm. um and i can see an echo of that but more sympathetic here of just like you know it was jake had a very white bread kind of life but he aches to go back to that because of the like he wasn't getting smeared on the top of an airplane like
0: Mm. and it calls back to that conversation with Marco. Mm-hmm. He's desperate to go back. Mhm. To when he doesn't have to be the leader, when he doesn't have to look brave all the time. Mhm. But he can just hang out with his crush and play video games with his best friend and play basketball with his older brother. Mm-hmm. And it's interesting to me because I suppose like and this comes back to the whole because it's a thing a point we circled around before of um where am I going with this? My brain is working faster than my mouth and then mm-hmm. forgetting itself. Curses. About whether or not you can go back. Mm-hmm. Um, and what he just said about fear being, putting holes in things. And then mm-hmm. I, I immediately say, well, that's trauma.
1: Mm-hmm. And
0: he desperately doesn't want this to be his life.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: And he's effectively lying to himself about going back. About going back to exactly how things were. Yeah,
1: yeah. It's like when B- people talk about COVID, like when are we going to go back to before this shit? And it's like that's not how this works. No,
0: no. The the world is changing, and I'm referring to animals here because I don't want to get talking too much about real life. Yeah. Um. Ah, oh, here it is. Uh, the the thought that escaped me and then came back. The way we look at childhood Mm -hmm. as adults and it being a simpler time. Mm -hmm. And I think it's a sign of maturity when you go, no, I would no way want to be a kid again. Holy Mm -hmm. shit. But it is that upsettingness of a child just mourning his lost childhood. Yeah. Because that's such a thing that you would expect an adult to come up with. Mm Mm-hmm. But it it, it does ram home the heart. This is a war, yeah. and it's like oh, when I get back afterwards, I'm gonna see my girl and watch a movie and yada yada yada.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: That desire for normalcy and things being low stakes or having no stakes even, and the comfort in that. And I mean, I don't want to get down too far down the rabbit hole. Talking about like jake had an incredibly easy life i mean he's in middle slash upper middle class cis white dude mm-hmm. so you know life is going to be pretty easy for him if this hadn't come along but i don't i can't begrudge him wanting to go back yeah because what he is having to do and the person he is having to become and he knows he's becoming it mm-hmm. and that makes his this desperate want and need to go back to being Joe Average—so yeah. upsetting. I'm mm-hmm. um, now. I'm thinking about like Snowpiercer. Good film. Watch Watch Snowpiercer. Um, mm-hmm. About wanting to get to the front of the train and realizing mm-hmm. when he gets there what it actually means. Mm-hmm. And it's like fuck. Uh, so,
1: Jake spends the evening with his family, um, and then we cut to the next day where Marco is talking to him about having gone back into the chat chat room, um, and figuring out what everybody's saying. Um, it, it's framed as, while I spent the evening with my family, Marco had been busy. Uh, which has a tone of, uh, uh, Guilt tripping himself that mm-hmm. becomes worse later. Yeah. Um, they, the, the child who's worried about his father, uh, is still talking about his dad. Marco has the feeling that maybe he's getting ready to confront his father. Cassie's like, we can't let that happen because that would mean that child gets yurked. Um, they talk some more about who everybody else is and like, what are they gonna do?
0: Um, <clears throat> One the uh, Yurk hater they figured was probably a controller. Um, they got a name, but um, they can't find that name in like the phone book. Yep. Uh.
1: So they they figure they have kind of two choices here. They either go speak to Gump um, and tell him to be careful, essentially, or they go invade Fenestra's. Finistry's, uh mansion and figure out what's going on. Um, and Cassie and Marco are basically arguing the two, mm-hmm. two different avenues. Um, you can guess who's arguing which one. Um, and Marco's uh, argument basically boils down to, look, it's a Sunday. If we go after Finestri, he's probably going to take some time, which means a weekend, which means today. Um, and Cassie's like, well, if we wait to kind of talk about to talk with Gump, then it may be too late. Um, and they both look at Jake like, all right, what are we going to do? But not until, uh, no, they, they both look at him. I was supposed to decide which was our top priority. Rescue a nine-year-old or maybe bust open the whole thing with a raid on Finestri's mansion. I looked down at the ground. Marco, did you happen to do any research on Finestri's house? No, I thought you were doing it. I got t- tied up. Big family thing. It's supposed to have massive security, Marco said. Lots of computer stuff, but it shouldn't be any problem for us. I mean, security is designed to keep out humans, right? Not animals. Uh, Jake decides uh, they're going to talk to Gump first thing after school tomorrow, Um, and then we get another moment of him interpreting what Cassie feels. Uh, She nodded, but she looked bitter. I hope that's soon enough. Um... Jake senses that he's making a mistake. He doesn't know what it was, and but a leader has to lead, not sit around consulting his horoscope or taking his own pulse. So I made the decision, um, which is kind of the other side to, to Jake's um, uh, knowledge of what it means to be a leader, which is that at the end of the day, it doesn't necessarily matter which decision you made. I mean, it does, but as long as you make a decision that's the important thing because it's indecision about acting. Kills. yeah um which i don't think this is really a true dichotomy here mm. like talking to gump shouldn't take more than like 10 minutes yeah really uh mm-hmm. and like uh, they they're going into the fenestri situation without any like it's not time sensitive no the fenestri thing like they could go in next weekend um, yeah,
0: like they, like nobody's expecting at the fenestry place. Though given what happens, we don't know if that's because of what the kids did. But, yeah. Six one half dozen of the other. Mm-hmm. But yes, we could have had a couple of them stay, do research on the fenestry house yep. while a couple yep. of others go talk to this kid. Yeah. Uh, so Jake is uh, right. He is making a
1: mistake. But at least he made a decision.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: Uh, and we cut to uh mega fucking mansion compound place yeah Uh, and
0: it's described as looking like a junior college there's guest houses a pool house a bar at the pool shaped like the fucking logo oh god um yeah a boathouse stable big enough for a dozen horses an observatory a greenhouse a garage that could store 30 or 40 cars And uh, a massive lawn uh, that you could hold the Super Bowl on was the house itself. Mm -hmm. And there is now a gag. And I actually had to highlight this because it caught me in exactly the wrong way. Yeah, I skipped right past. I didn't even see it when I was first reading. Yeah. And this this is a writing fail. Yeah, it is. Um, Marco comments on how this guy knows how to live. And uh, he's like, someday that'll be me. And Rachel makes the joke, the quip, who'll be you? The guy mowing the lawn down there. Now, if Marco was a white dude, mm-hmm. that wouldn't bother me at all. But because Marco is heavily implied and in a lot of art depicted as uh, Latino or Hispanic, and given like my white English ass knows mm-hmm. that a lot of like Mexican immigrants and stuff work as like groundsmen and stuff mm-hmm. in the States. Mm-hmm. That immediately made me go, yo, Rachel, what the fuck? Before my second part bra- my brain kicked in. She's like, no, Jade, that's K.A. Applegate's fault. Yeah, And this is where you run into things with colorblind casting, as yeah. it were, because we talked about this in the first book with Cassie being taken by a police officer. Mm hmm. And I think it's incredibly applaudable that what KO were trying to do with these books and the kids and not make a big deal because these children could be anybody. Right. But when you make certain choices, like have Marco described as be looking a certain way, favoring his mother, and then have and this was I think somebody pointed out in the chat about the dig about Marco's mum mm-hmm. sleeping yeah. with other people. That yeah. went over my head. Yeah. And like, and this gag here about Marco being a groundsman. Mm -hmm. And these are the sort of things like you can't flippantly make a joke like that, or even, and and it's just about awareness as, and as people that tell stories with our podcasts Mm -hmm. and uh, in some people's case, write, you can't, our choices don't exist in a vacuum. And if we make certain choices, we have to be aware of the ramifications. Heck, uh, Danielle and I even rightly got pointed out like the way that we were inadvertently framing our discussions about Cassie and how she was being written. But mm-hmm. because of Cassie being the only black character, it held a tone that we certainly didn't intend because we were just caught up in the writing and our frustration with K.A., the, as I said, these things do not exist in a vacuum. You have to be aware of the wider picture that you're painting intentionally or not. Mm-hmm. And it was enough to take me out of the moment that I had to write a note about it in our document. Because yeah. I was like, aye, yeah. fuck. Yeah. It's, uh, it's
1: a quote-unquote product of its time because mm. the 90s were all about that colorblindness thing. But like, yes. yeah, it is yeah. Uh, not good.
0: No, it's a term I've actually heard in the theatre community. Um, mm-hmm. The to, to moving away from colour blind to colour conscious yes. casting. Mm-hmm. Being aware of the choices that you make mm-hmm. and having them reflect, using it consciously. And I think the same is true of, uh, can also be true of how you cast or portray queer characters or trans characters mm-hmm. or disabled characters.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: Inclusion is great, but that doesn't necessarily mean anything if you're perpetuating stereotypes. Or right. you're demonising a group without intending to because of how you choose to write them. Yeah, or portray them. Yeah. White people, able-bodied people, cis people. We can do better. Mm-hmm. It's good that we. If you want to portray people outside of your lived experience, do your research. Be conscious, yeah. higher sensitivity readers, or yeah. work with consultants.
1: Yeah. Approach it with thought. Yes. Uh, and if someone points something out to you. Take a
0: Learn. second to think about it. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. If your friends have taken the time to go, hey, did you notice, did you know that person cares enough about you to call you on it?
1: Mm-hmm.
0: Uh, a friend of mine had retweeted something earlier today uh, that was just a humor tweet, but I have the shingami eyes extension and I could see this person was flagged as a turf. Mm. So so I let her know. She's like, yo, heads up and she immediately like thank you for letting me know i deleted it and then they also uh, she also made a couple of tweets apologizing for Mm -hmm. it and being saying about how she's got that there are people that will help her let her know when she's showing her ass on the internet Mm -hmm. and like again we as well uh we are aware of our limitations we are grateful for when people take the time to go hey so yeah again we're 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 neurodivergent people, so we occasionally get very defensive about it at first in our brains, but then we're just like, oh yeah, people love us and want us to do good things. Mm-hmm. Thumbs up. Um, but yes. So okay.
1: so let's dive into this fucking hectic ass scene. Uh, this is so much. It's, it's holy a shit. Lot. A lot happens here, very yeah. fast.
0: Mm-hmm. Uh,
1: so they they comment a little bit on. Like, the layout of the place and like, what are they gonna do? And they're all, they're all casing the joint with bird of prey eyes, basically. Um, they're looking at the perimeter. There are three different fences around the house and its lawn. Um, they talk about how paranoid this guy must be. Also, there are people walking around with dogs, like attack dogs. Uh, they have, he has like observation towers at each of the corners with people with guns. Like, this dude is, There's an underwater fence in the river that he's next to. Like there's a Mm -hmm. fence in the river to keep people from coming through underwater, I
0: guess. Um, Yeah. We find out why with good reason. But Mm -hmm. the kids at this point just like, yo, rich people are weird.
1: They are weird. This doesn't, the thing is like reading this, it doesn't set me as like particularly odd for a rich person
0: no, 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 no. And to be fair, uh, actually, just like, is this human in great danger? And Mark was just like, nah, that's rich people for you. <laughs>
1: mm-hmm. So uh, so Jake posits to the group like, okay, how are we going to get in? Anyone have any ideas? In the way that he usually pulls the group before making a decision. And Tobias is like, well, there's an open window in the Mac. Why don't we just fly in through the open window? Uh, and uh, we need to be able to move around. But Cassie's like, all right, then what? Uh, Marco suggests flies. Cassie takes a pot shot at Marco, saying, We could do ants again, too. Um, and so we Jake butts in, says, It was time for me to decide. Okay, first of all, we go in like Tobias said, only Tobias stays outside and uses his eyes and ears to report what he sees through the windows. Inside, half of us more fly, the others cockroach. We spread out, keep in touch. Anyone finds Fenestri, he calls the others. Got it. And Rachel's like, All right, let's do it. And of course, she's the first one to go and then shit pops the fuck off because Um, mm -hmm.
0: go ahead i just say really i know it would be rachel that does this it's a really good thing that her bird of prey morph is a larger bird yes because if one of the smaller birds had gone yeah they could this might have killed them yeah yeah um because uh, she goes through the window mm -hmm. and is unconscious
1: Yep. Yeah, she's she is electrified by some sort of. It's not a force field, but some sort mm-hmm. of electrical field that covers the mm-hmm. open window. Um, later, we get the explanation of it's probably some kind of uh, bug repellent mm. kind of thing, like a like a um, like fly lamps.
0: Yeah, um, but like around a window frame yes. rather than mm-hmm. yeah. So
1: um, <clears throat> when she flies in, she's electrocuted, knocked uh, unconscious, possibly dead, um, and is crumpled inside the room.
0: I assume it's Jake that gives the message to Cassie to break off because she's the closest mm-hmm. behind. Yes, uh, Cassie's already like banking right. Um, yeah, and every and like an alarm starts going off, and they're all like, "Okay, we got to get altitude." Fast, yeah. But the thing is, the air is cooler down, so it's really hard for all of them to uh, get momentum. Because they were all in a full stoop. They were all yeah. diving towards this thing. And like only
1: like 20 feet in between each other, they were all going to just swoop into this window. And so having to pull up at the last minute means they lose all of their momentum. And it becomes extremely difficult to get that momentum back to get back
0: in the air. And... This is when the security guards show up and start shooting. Yep. Uh, Axe is clipped um, yep. and starts to fall. And Jake is trying to figure out if he can get to him before he hits the ground. Mm-hmm. Uh, Tobias is the one, um, this good shawm energy, uh, mm-hmm. dive, makes a dive. And uh, he catches up with Axe and call back to that thing about just how fast... Red hawks can, di- uh, red, tailed hawks can dive, mm-hmm. but not quite as fast as I think it was. The peregrine falcons were faster at dives. Yes, but they are. <laughs> still pretty, far. but Tobias is, Tobias is Tobias about it and he has no qualms about throwing himself mm-hmm. into danger to save the others. Mm-hmm. Um, he catches up with Axe, warns him that this is going to hurt and sinks his talons into Axe. Uh, mm-hmm. so he can follow the swoop of the launch, like never more than an inch from disaster.
1: Yeah, because he, um, he's trying to fly Axe out of here because if Axe was hit in the mm-hmm. wing, then he's not going to be able to to fly himself out. And so what Tobias is thinking here is, all right, well, I'm going to grab you and just fly you out of
0: here. Mm-hmm. Um, C- Cassie gets Cassie over helps. there too, is helping. Uh, they get uh, Axe over the inner fence and the second fence, but then they uh, drop him in the dog run. Not, I mean, humanly not in, in on purpose. It's just like no, their yeah. low altitude. They, they just yeah. managed to get over the fence.
1: Yeah. Uh, the dogs are coming for them. They're big-ass Rottweilers. Uh, the, their trainer followed more slowly, unlimbering a submachine gun. You know, can Like you do. Um. So uh, Jake uh, plays distraction and swoops at one of the uh, dogs. Mm-hmm. Um, distracts the dog, doesn't quite get a good hit in, but Marco comes in uh, and rakes the dogs back. Um, so Jake
0: can get off the ground.
1: Yep. Uh, but the um, second dog still has his focus on Tobias, Cassie, and Axe. And then
0: this happens. Uh, Tobias and Cassie are desperately pulling... Axe's bird body along the grass They manage to maybe just take off And then they fall back And mm-hmm. Jake yells at them to leave him behind Tobias Does not want to do this Which tracks with everything about Tobias Up to this point mm-hmm. And Jake just shouts back Do it, do it or you're all dead um, So, And Tobias and Cassie Do as they're told um, thankfully, the dog is well trained because as, although it gets to Axe and snatches him up, uh, he's yelled at by his trainer to um keep it, not to bite. Mm-hmm. Um, but Jake is just calling the retreat. Um, but yeah, armed men and more dogs encircling Axe through the open window. Jake sees other men surrounding Rachel. And all he can do is blame himself that two of them have been captured as they make this retreat. Yeah. And Uh, this is where everything falls apart for a little bit. We joined up, those of us who
1: were left, on a roof of a Wendy's a quarter mile away. We hid there behind rooftop air conditioners and exhaust fans amid the smell of grease and rippling heat. How long have we been in Morph? I asked. I don't know, Marco yelled. How am I supposed to know? Because, of course, they've gotten... Reliant on Axe and his timekeeping abilities.
0: Mm-hmm. We
1: could have gotten Axe out of there, Tobias accused. They have Rachel and Axe, Cassie said frantically. We have to get them back. It was panic. No one thinking clearly. I tried to focus, but the air conditioners were roaring. The stink of frying burgers and onions and ketchup was overpowering. I think, I think we've been in Morph about 30 minutes, I said. We have an hour and a half. To do what, Tobias demanded. That that place is a fortress. Fences, dogs, and some kind of force field in the windows. Controllers, Marco said. Fenestri is a controller. It was a trap. Has to be. Who else would shoot at birds? Rachel and Axe will have to demorph in less than an hour and a half or be trapped, Cassie said. An hour and a half. That's how long we have. If they demorph surrounded by controllers, I mean, they'll know Rachel is human, which means they'll figure out we're all human, all except Axe. I know, I said. Actually, it was worse than that. See, Rachel knew she couldn't demorph for she could be seen by controllers. If I knew Rachel, she'd rather be trapped forever in her eagle's body than to let the truth out. She knew that if the Yerks ever learned we were humans, not some bunch of renegade and- Andalites, our days would be numbered in low numbers. Being trapped in eagle form may not be the worst thing facing Rachel, Tobias said, which he's probably also made the connection that Jake has made at this point. Mm -hmm. Oh, yeah, you'd think that, Marco sneered with savage sarcasm. Maybe Rachel doesn't want to spend the rest of her life eating mice and living in trees like you, Tobias. That's not what I meant, Tobias snapped back. I meant she may not be alive, or the body she's trapped in may be injured beyond saving. Axe was alive, I'm sure of that, Cassie said, a bit calmer than the other two. Didn't any of this show up when you researched this lunatic's mission? Mansion, Marco demanded of me. I didn't answer. I had to think. Time was running out. Tobias and Marco were at each other's throats. Cassie was starting to moan about how they'd find her parents sooner or later. How once they had Rachel, it was only a matter of time. I had to make a plan. But who was I to be making plans? I'd led everyone into a disaster. Rachel. Axe. All of us, maybe. I don't know what to do. It came out as a sob. I hadn't planned it. Hadn't meant to say it. What? Tobias said. "'Tick-tock, tick-tock,' Marco said angrily. "'We need a plan. Time is running out.' "'I don't have a plan, all right,' I yelled. "'Don't give me that,' Marco shouted in my head. "'You got us into this. Now get us out.' "'Leave him alone,' Cassie said, coming to my defense. But Marco's words had been spears aimed right at my heart, and Cassie defending me just made things worse. My mind was split in two. Part of it was racing like an Indy car whose engine is ready to explode. Another part of it was swimming through molasses, stuck on the awful fact that Marco was right. I had failed my friends. We we could use cockroach morphs, Cassie said. Crawl into the mansion and... No time, Marco said. We'd have to morph way outside the outer fence, then get all the way up the hill, hundreds of yards. Besides, there are controllers in there. They'll be ready for us now. No, I said suddenly. No what, Tobias said. They aren't controllers, I said suddenly, absolutely sure. Any time we, we've ever gone after the Yerks, they may have used a lot of human controllers, but backing them up, up were always hork No hork and everyone used guns. Plain old, everyday guns and dogs. The Yerks wouldn't use dogs. What kind of human being would tell his guards to shoot birds? Marco demanded. I don't know, but these are humans, just humans. But Rachel and Axe may not know that. We have to get them out of there, and we don't have time to be subtle. Uh, and he comes up with an idea. Uh, how far are we from the gardens? Hmm. And his idea is a good one.